0: We're recording. <clears throat> Start the show whenever uh, you want. Uh,
1: back to, at the movies with Lo and Mo. Um, some of you guys know we moved our podcast to an Arctic research facility. Mm. Um, Try to research to get more Patreon subs. And uh, so we've been working on that, uh, but some stuff happened how much jimmy wants to get into um well Bert.
0: i think we should just a, let our patreon subs know, out yeah. now dude i think that we should just instead of the end of the episode i think we should thank our patreon subs now because of the accident we should just thank them now so thank you yeah, yeah. thank you tyler buckley thank you dylan painter and thank you jay Irvin. if you'd like to join them go to patreon.com lomo media for behind the scenes content and all the good stuff that we have on our patreon
1: yeah. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, as Jimmy alluded to, there was an accident. Uh, bird Bird showed up to the set being chased by Norwegians in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just shooting at him. They are throwing grenades at him. We know what was going on. We took him in. Uh, just a normal-looking bird man to mm-hmm. us. The bird we know and love. But yep. he was not the bird that we know and love. Nope, uh, not at we all. had to retrieve the flamethrower. And now, Jimmy and I are the last two uh, remaining on the Arctic base, and we don't know if one or the other is The Thing, so we brought on um, the uh, Arctic The Thing expert, Ryan Kinney, to, to talk about John Carpenter's The Thing with us today, and to determine whether either of us is the human or or The Thing by the end of the episode.
2: Come um, boys.
0: What's up, man? Welcome. Welcome. Good to have you.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay. So we're
1: getting... The, I'm getting the rust off a little bit. It's been a little, it's been a little while since we recorded the podcast. Um, I want to talk to Brian a little bit. We're recording this on the the spookiest of holidays. Um, Monica. Halloween. And I want to know uh, what uh Brian, before we even get into the thing i want to know like uh what are your favorite horror movies and what is like what what are the what are the best ones to watch on halloween in your opinion
2: um well the thing is actually probably my favorite um it's it's either the thing or the first alien movie i would say um but for watching on halloween i mean i usually like just the regular halloween but um um Thing is always really good
1: sure Jimmy you got any low I'm sorry get my podcast mixed
2: up
0: yeah uh, my favorite Halloween movie is actually good fellas so <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite movie to watch um, on Halloween.
1: I mean your culture is not a costume
0: <laughs> uh, yeah I'm tired of seeing all these gangsters out there dressed up okay enough is enough, is enough. enough stop is
1: appropriating jimmy's uh italian american heritage um so let's yeah i i would agree with uh everything you guys said uh i don't know about goodfellas but um <laughs> i would say the thing is a top five movie for me um return of the living dead dawn of the dead aliens i watched aliens on halloween last year um and I think Halloween is the movie to watch. I did run through and prep, we were, we obviously we covered it on this podcast. So I, I ran through and re we'll rewatch some Halloween movies um, this month. And so today on actual Halloween, I think I'm going to watch some Friday the 13th movies. Um, but uh, we should talk about The Thing. And so I want to get some history on this. Uh, because this is a movie that I've seen probably like dozen times at this point i think brian has seen it quite a bit as well and if i'm not mistaken i think this was lowe's first time watching it Mm uh so what do you remember about like the first do you remember the first time you saw the thing brian
2: um i think i think i might have watched it with you for the first time in like high school or something like that i'm pretty sure i watched it in high school maybe my senior year i want to say like i didn't watch that many scary movies um just, like, what my dad would bring home from renting movies, but, um, yeah, I didn't really like sci-fi stuff until the last, like, five or six years, and, like, didn't really like sci-fi stuff in high school, but now I really like it, so, um, so now it's, like, yeah, it's one of my favorites, it climbed up pretty quick.
1: I think, uh, and I didn't, it's going to sound like I propped you up to answer that, like uh, I'm the beacon of taste that showed you the thing, but I don't, <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> I hmm. yeah, and do and who showed hey. this to you? Uh, I don't do remember, I don't necessarily remember that, um, I do have, we've talked about this before, I have a distinct memory of watching The Shining at your house, um, and I think that might have been like the first time that I saw that movie. Um,
2: yeah, I remember but, that actually. It was a we rainy had day. McDonald's. We had McDonald's. We watched The Shining. It was wow. like a middle school memory.
1: That's crazy.
2: Uh, I think that was the... That might have been the second time I watched it, but I don't think I even remembered it the first time because I was probably little the first time I saw it. All fries and no toy make Jack a doll boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, now when I watch The Shining, I just have a, a hankering for, for some McDonald's. <laughs> Um, I don't remember the first time that I watched this, but I do remember, like, I bought it immediately. I was, like, really into collecting movies when I was in, like, middle school and high school, and then for a while I stopped buying stuff because of all the streaming services and everything, and, uh, I recently have started repurchasing things that I, movies that I know that I love, that are, like, you know, my favorite favorites, whether they're on streaming or not, and that way I just have them. Um So it's nice having a
0: tangible like copy of something that you love, though. I think, as much as it goes away from like DVDs and everything, I mean, you could stream whatever you want at any point in time, but there's just something to be said about like just looking at your movies and going, All right, I'm gonna watch this today, I'm gonna watch this one right here, I'm gonna watch one through four of this right now. Or
1: a little bit of like my brother said this about his record collection, I've thought about this too. Kind of a weird, morbid way to frame it, but there's also this thing of, like, pieces of your personality are determined by, like, the things you enjoy and collect, and, like, you know, when I have kids or when I'm, like, not around, but he look at my movie collection or my record collection and, and learn something about me from it, which I think is kind of yeah interesting way to think about things
0: yeah but unfortunately it's all going to end up in a garbage bag though when you your family just gonna be like okay
1: give give them all the exchange
0: jesus how many saw movies
1: this guy have
0: he's got saw 42
1: unfortunately
2: all eight i'm not happy about it they're in my they're in my basement um I only have like five DVDs left at my house and they're all romantic comedies that I don't know where they came from. I'm leaving (laughs) I'm leaving behind no evidence of who I was when I go.
1: Borrowed so many movies from you. This is going to be I'm I'm like
2: remembering, uh, I think, being John Malkovich. I remember you guys had VHS tapes, I think. We had a lot of VHS tapes. I have no idea where those went. I think they're probably at my mom's house because they still have a lot of movies. I, I borrowed them far enough back that
1: I had a VHS player at the house to watch them.
2: There's a bunch of
1: stuff I think I watched for the first time. Similarly that I got from you. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe less horror stuff, but still like Dead Dead Poets Society I think. It's probably oh, one that yeah. I watched borrowed That's from you to um,
0: But Speaking about first time so, watches though.
1: Yes. Yep. Um, so Here's the, here's the little preface I want to give. There is this kind of thing of, like, I was so excited to, to cover this, and I had a great time watching it, and it's one of my favorite movies, but, like, you get so excited about watching your favorite movies, and you tell people, like, this is my favorite horror movie. Brian and I have, like, both said it, and then we're watching it, and we're, I'm sitting through the beginning, and I'm like, mm, it's a little bit slower than I remember. I hope, uh, you know, I hope nobody's, like, hating it or anything, so, um... I, you know grain of salt i obviously i have some past connection with this movie but i'm very curious to hear what your thoughts were and what your experience was like watching the thing for the first time
0: well i think it was cool though man because you know not to plug our patreon again but for the first time we watched we watched partied this with the patreon supporter uh, we watched it with Tyler Buckley and, you know, you guys can do that too. Just join our Discord. Uh, you can join our Discord for $3 a month on Patreon. That's not just the entry fee for the Discord. That's a whole bunch of other content that you don't see on YouTube or, you know, streaming or anything like that. But it was fun. You know, we all synced up. We You know, there was four of us watching it together and that in itself was a really good experience. Even though I thought that this movie was terribly, no, it was exciting. It was good. It was a good one. I just wanted Aaron to freak out a little bit there, but um, I thought it was really good. No, I wouldn't.
1: It is um, more of an exercise in like attention and mystery than I remember. Like obviously the mystery of who's the thing, Uh, but I will say like I don't remember the thing. So there, you know, two pivotal scenes uh, where the thing shows up. The one where they're doing CPR on the guy and his hands go through his chest and then he turns into the thing. Mm-hmm. And then the bloodletting scene. Uh, I don't remember those. Those are like ten, within 10 minutes of each other. And they're
2: like at the end of the movie. You um, didn't that, remember those? Aaron freaked out about the bloodletting scene more than any other scene.
0: I will be honest with you though. I don't jump at movies at all. Like I can't even tell you the last movie I jumped. But when they, but when Kurt Russell put that needle in that blood sample and that thing popped out, I jumped in my chair. I was like, I jumped back. I was like, wow, I haven't had a jump scare happen to me in a long time. And it happened. It freaked me out.
2: did that well.
1: Yeah, I I think think that's my, I think that's my favorite scene in the movie. Um, And I think that's like one of my favorite scenes of all, like movie scenes of all time. I think it's like perfect tension, you know? Uh, attention building mm-hmm. um so you know you do get this john carpenter thing of like the fr- the front half is kind of loaded with atmosphere and kind of just building the characters up and where they are i love the location of this movie um the so tyler was talking about this in the chat we were, we were talking about it but like when you're inside the facility it's all so claustrophobic and narrow and they're like following people down hallways but then when they go outside it's this vast openness, and there's like nothing you know, around. Um, so you get kind of this, you know, contrast between the two. Yeah, I think either really one helps. of them is preferable. It helps. And yeah, Neither one are, are, are environments you want to be in when you're being no. chased by a, a creature. Uh, you look like a dang creature. No,
0: but I think it really helps um, though when you start having these like uh, these claustrophobic scenes. These hall, like these hall ways and all of that equipment that's in those rooms and then we see our cast just kind of like confined to these quarters almost and just seeing how the paranoia of that sets in and then to open it up to see how like desolate everything is like there's nobody coming to help them and you just kind of get that like this is it for anybody it doesn't matter like this is it no matter how it turns out so it was really well it was really well done as far as the way it was shot
2: Yeah, I can definitely, um, whenever it first started, um, when we first started watching it, and, like, I think the very first shot is just, like, the helicopter coming from, like, a speck, and then getting bigger, and, I mean, it totally would be a John Carpenter thing to, like, have that as, like, a metaphor of, like, this thing growing, or, like, this speck, some sort of, like, um, particle of the thing that's, like, getting closer and closer, or showing, like, the insignificance of people in this super wide-open Antarctica. Like, um, it's in Antarctica, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's, I I just
1: know it's, like, an Arctic research
2: facility. I don't know if they ever really say, but, um, but I don't know if that's just me reading into it too much, or that's, like, a John Carpenter thing to be, like, your specs in this place, and, like, this alien from outer space... Came and like chose this tiny little planet Does yeah, it... I think that's a great
1: observation sorry Jimmy oh, no, uh, you're good. I was just gonna say that's a great observation, and I actually just remembered that's like second shot of the movie the first movie is the ship uh heading towards earth, and even that could be uh, like like a single cell of the thing you know later on the computer you see like a single poster cell start to take over all these other cells mm-hmm. and just the idea of what it takes is this one
2: thing to to hit the earth and then suddenly it's you know uh by one Mm -hmm. yeah it kind of reminded me of like the simulation on the screen where like there's the little helicopter chasing the dog and like going towards each other until they like you know they start separating off and infecting each other i don't know yeah i don't know if that's just me reading it in or reading into it too much or if that's like an intentional connection i think antarctica
0: I think you're able to interpret this movie however you want, I think. I don't think there's any, like, right or wrong reasons for, like, the way that you feel or certain scenes, the way that you think that you should perceive them. But the one main point that I want to point point out is this film is almost 40 years old. Almost. Like, it's coming up next year. It'll be 40 years old. Does anybody else agree uh, with this, that, like, this movie and the way it was shot and the practical effects would be successful today? like these,
2: uh, like, the these like these effects.
0: practical effects like are so well done that i think they could even stand the test of time today like just not being like cgi'd and stuff like that they were so well done and so believable that i think even if this take away like the you know the look like the 80s look of the film but put like those effects and that cinema and that cinematography to now i think it would still be a successful film
1: I agree. I I think it depends too like, um, I mean the way that it's being you were to translate that to today uh, it would also, you could do it seriously or you could do it as an homage to the 80s because that's a big thing right now is like people putting out movies like The Void or whatever that are like an homage to Carpenter or whoever and they use practical effects and people love that Uh, so you could do it two different ways too you could, you know serve it seriously or you could serve it kind of as as like an ironic homage um i think it's yeah the, the effects are gruesome uh and it's interesting you say that because they they did a prequel remake in 2011 um a movie that i actually enjoy i think for for a remake it's it's actually solid um and it's on hbo max i think right now it's about the norwegian team that's there before them it's interesting you talk about the cgi and the practical effects because what i will say is it's a movie that i enjoy every time i watch it but i don't remember anything about it almost the instant it's over it kind of just like leaves my mind Mm. and i think part of that like i never forget what the effects look like in this movie there's like there's the spider head and there's like the venus flytrap guy and there's all this like you know really truly scary stuff and that's the one thing I'll say about the prequel remake is they use digital effects for most, if not all of it. And I don't remember anything.
0: Sometimes, um, man, that just proves that like, pra- like, and it depends. Like there's certain times where it calls for practical effects versus like CGI or visual effects, but like, it just proves that, like, sometimes, at least for me, that the practical effects in films are a little bit more memorable because you have that added, like, how did you do that? Like, how did you just pull that off? I think it gives you that little added mystery element that's so needed when you watch films.
2: Yeah, it always um, gets me excited to see practical effects in movies especially nowadays because i always just picture the people like in the effects studio just being like oh people are gonna hate this people are gonna like freak out when they see this Mm -hmm. like instead of somebody just like programming something i mean i know that's super technical too but i just love thinking about the people like in the art studio be like what do you think of this like just showing the directors and then just being like oh i hate it
1: (laughs) i would say too it's like yeah like thinking about the process is so cool because you know, just creature effects are one thing, but then you think about—they okay, have this dog on screen, and at some point they must have cut it perfectly so that they had like the model or whatever they were using exactly in the dog's place, and then they have its head like peel back, and there's like a dog skull. It's just, yeah, uh, thinking about ev- everything that has to go into that to make it work on camera is is so cool. You
0: yeah. Know?
1: Um. Think what I, I think what I've never really completely thought about until now, and you know, um benefits of I guess having a podcast and and talking about this stuff like long form, that this could be, not a horror movie, uh, it's it's like a whodunit mystery, you know, kind of almost like a it could be like a it could almost be like a murder mystery film, and then you have John Carpenter just kind of drapes this like sci-fi horror over it. Um, and that's why the movie works so well, is that it's, it, the movie itself actually doesn't hinge on it being, like, for the top or gruesome or, like, terrifying to look at. I mean, the characters are, the performances are great. The characters, you spend enough time with them that you, they are realistic. The way they react in situations as they become, like, increasingly paranoid is, is very realistic, I think, too. Um, so, like, you need those those foundational components to work before you can add like the stuff on top and then the stuff on top works too. So you, you get your desserts and you get to eat it too is kind of, I think why this movie works so well, you know,
0: I think it's crazy. We talk about the cinematography a lot, but uh, Dean Cunday went on to do a lot of John Carpenter's films, but like has a long list of like very successful films. So like, That's amazing to see. Like I was wondering. I always like to see who uh, the cinematographer is when we do these director series too, to see if they kind of stuck around. Uh, And we'll be seeing them. We'll be seeing them again. So that's cool.
1: Um. uh, Let's talk about the real star of the movie for a second. The music, famously done by uh, Randy Newman. Um. (laughs) Can you, Brian? Can you give us a little bit of you got you got a thing in me.
2: You got a thing in me. How's that? <laughs>
1: That's very good. That's exactly what I wanted. E- <laughs>
2: Eddie, you got you got
1: a thing in me. Sorry. Um. <laughs> it was we we love Randy Newman here. This is a Newman uh, Randy Newman podcast. Pro Newman. Uh, Pro Newman, this is a uh, Ennio Marconi, uh famous for his westerns, um, and uh, I, you know, clearly John Carpenter doing music for Halloween and for a lot of his movies is kind of like um, a core component to to a lot of his films. But I think the score here will always remember. Uh, even having that's crazy, like even having the when I had the DVD as a kid having the main menu on they just had this like plinking screeching like ping. it was like like kind of almost like uh no it was like it sounded almost like the twilight zone but more like unsettling and and almost like it didn't have melody it was just like ping 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 and it, like it was you know so scary and it added to the atmosphere and it made me want to watch the movie um i think the music here is awesome i think i oh, really it's this is just one of those movies where it's like all of the components just come together they all work you know perfectly for for what the movie's going for
0: can i oh my i just i didn't even realize this and maybe you guys do too so when you were talking about that dog scene where it's just getting all of those like dogs together to create that big thing did you know that was done on a that was done on a raised set and there was a bunch of people under uh, underneath it doing like puppeteer work with it that's how they pulled yeah, it no. off <laughs> I just read that. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, yeah, there's just people doing yeah. like puppeteer work. That's crazy. The dog
1: has like chicken wing arms at the end. So when it comes out of the thing, it's got little like chicken wing arms. Um,
0: that's cool. I like that.
1: I was just looking at uh, how this movie was received. When it was released. Um, some choice quotes. Uh, Quintessential moron movie of the 80s. Instant <laughs> junk. Wretched excess. <laughs> Cold and sterile. Um, people, people and then boring, uh, bereft, despairing, nihilistic. Um, I it says that uh, people... This is interesting. Against the optimism of E.T., the reassuring return of Star Trek II... And the technical perfection of Tron and the sheer integrity of Blade Runner. So it feels like people were getting all of these like
2: so uh This is nothing like E.T. <laughs> <laughs> One star. This is nothing like E.T. So what was I love when...
0: so it just came out against like a lot of other powerhouses then when it
1: was released? Well it came out it came out against a lot of I think like um I would say not the Blade is feel good, but I think it came out against a lot of movies that are probably I would agree that this movie's kinda nihilistic. I mean it's definitely like I don't watch this. I don't think this is like a feel bad movie, but it's certainly not like a an optimistic film. And I think people maybe just weren't ready to handle
0: and Tron's not optimistic either though. Tron's not like a happy film.
1: I don't know what you guys are talking. I I, I love when Kurt Russell set E.T. on fire in E.T. That was like my favorite <laughs> scene in the movie. Um <laughs> lures him over with some Reese's pieces and then sets him on fire um, <laughs> and he backflips
2: his bike Kurt... in front
1: of the moon <laughs> Kurt Russell, man Kurt Russell is uh, another oh, another John Carpenter uh, institution you got him in Big Trouble in Little China Came from New York, The Thing and um, Big Trouble in Little China um, so I, I just uh, an amazing uh, just a, the perfect for this role uh the the sarcasm in a in a serious predicament the beard, the hair, the dad look you got the I love the scene in the beginning when he's playing chess against the computer and he just dumps whiskey into the computer <laughs> and he calls it a a cheating bitch um, and yeah all of the characters in this I was talking to to Brian about it, but aside from him and Wilford brimley um a lot of the characters are the in this are people that I'm not. Familiar with outside of this movie it feels like a really, really good group of like character actors where they each kind of have their own thing. Like the stoner guy, you've got, like the radio guy, you've got um, the cowboy McGarry or Gary who you know knocks at the beginning when they were fighting with the Norwegians, he like knocks out a window with his pistol, mm-hmm. clears a window, and sharp shoots one of them. Um, so I, I just think that the, the, it's cool that they give each of the characters a, a distinct personality and I think the performances are all really, really good.
2: I always forget what Child's, um, real name is. Um, but he's probably like the only other one that's like a really big actor. Like, he's done a lot of voice acting in cartoons. He was on Community. And he was in like the fifth season of Community or the fifth Keith or the David. Keith David. Keith David. Mm. And he was like the voice of original spawn cartoon so he's like been in some horror stuff also yeah
0: he's got a long list of credits
2: he does like the cat on Coraline, i'm pretty sure okay got like that really deepy ac voice (laughs) deepy just a deepy some interesting uh
1: potential casting for the role of mcgreedy um christopher walken jeff bridges nick nolte Matt kid, Chris a and
2: would have been <laughs> insane. Chris <laughs> <laughs> morocco with a flamethrower. Like... Yeah,
1: I know it's too corny to do a walking impression. You know. these days, but, to, but to think of him being like, <laughs> yeah, I know one of it's you. It's the thing. It's not who you going to be. Oh, man. Uh, Chris Christofferson was considered for a while. He'd be good in this role. I can see that. Uh, Fred Ward, uh, which would be Interesting. Oh wait, I'm thinking Fred Willard. Um, they should cast Fred Willard in this. Come on guys, chill out. <laughs> um,
0: Fred Willard was in. Oh no, we were watching. We were watching. I think you should leave stuff. He was in that. He was playing the organ guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, making like the. This one's a little bit morbid. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> like honking the horn and smashing plates. Um, yeah, so, uh, Brian wanted to talk a little bit about the fan theories, um, and there are, you know, so the film ends, obviously, and this is also why we're here, because, uh, ironically, the same thing happened to Lo and I, and we need your expertise to determine whether one of us is, in fact, the thing, or, or what's going on here, but, um, the film ends, and, um, it, you're doing something over there with your, your eyes and your mouth? a little bit of human stuff. He's doing human stuff. Um, so the film ends, and it's just McCready and Childs uh, and left in the Arctic, and they've are trying to. they blown up the Thing ship, uh, and they're trying to determine whether or not one of them is the Thing, or, or if they are both human, or if they are both, in fact, Thing. Which is a question I had during the movie. I told Brian, uh, I don't know if you know that you are the Thing. It takes you over, um, like if you know they do they do burn the one guy puffy puffy vest man who goes outside and his hands are all stretchy. Um, they set him on fire. he's running away, so he clearly is like trying to get away from them. but do you know that your thing when it takes you over
0: I don't know. No.
2: I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody what knows. Else? Yeah, that's um, a. Yeah, that one's a tricky one. I don't know if they've ever addressed that. If you know if you're the thing or not. Like if you could add, even possibly tell, because I mean, well, you wouldn't know because you're not yourself anymore, I guess. Anyway.
1: Well. I mean, they do. So whoever is the thing does do thing things. Like Wilford Brimley, when he's by himself, like digs a tunnel,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and, and and starts building a little spaceship. So you know, you have to have some kind, some level of awareness that you are, not who you are.
2: And, and you know how he says, "Keep an eye on, um." Who is it? I forget. He says, keep an eye Kirk. on... Um, what was it? Mark. Um, like, did he say that just, like, out of... Like, just because he was the thing at the time, and he was just trying to get blame off of him, or do you think it was because his personality was still in him, and he actually was, like, replicating his personality to literally tell him to be careful and, like, watch people?
1: That point in the movie... I think that he is still human. The reason I think that is because when they come back, he has pictured a a noose. And I don't think the alien would would have any purpose to kill itself or to act like it's going to kill itself. I mean, I guess maybe it was trying to get some kind of, like, empathy and get let out. Um, For whatever reason, I think Wilford Brimley is... Human until somebody visits him later in the film. I think. In, in
2: yeah, the, I had a feeling you know. somebody like brought him food or something. That's that was like just like a small like I mean, yeah. not even a, not even a theory. Just like a second thought that I had during the movie when he had a bunch of cans of food and like the whiskey and stuff. Did somebody infect the infect his food or something? Yeah, uh, they, and they
1: mention that too. That's that's there's a couple things in this. The other thing that we talked about was um you know, until recently I didn't notice that uh the for I don't know how this went over my head. The listeners are gonna judge, but uh the missing tag on the clothes. Like somehow that yeah. plot point totally went over my head until like the time I watched it before this. Uh where he where he they find the clothes and the tags ripped off. Um so there's like a few different things. They kind of try to like I don't know if they're red herrings or if they genuinely try to hint at who you're supposed to think is, is who. Um, all I know is that, that the reason that that blood test scene is so good is that you genuinely don't know who it is at that mm. point. It literally could be anybody, and you're just sitting there waiting to to figure it out. Um, that's, that's why it's so effective. And um, I do
2: know that they intentionally throw you off without, like, any evidence. Like, I've heard in just a couple, like, fan theory videos. Like, the one scene, you see the dog walk into somebody's door and look at them, and you only see their shadow. I guess they used a different crew member that wasn't an actor, so you literally couldn't even guess who it was, like, on purpose, just so, like, everybody would be like, whose shadow was that? And it was literally nobody in the cast. So they definitely do those type of things to throw you off without... Like, just to add, like, confusion without a reason, really. So I know they do that a few times.
0: That's crazy. Imagine your only film credit is Shadow and the thing. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Professional There's,
0: Shadow. He just,
1: they, like, he gets together with his friends, like, 40 years later. He's, like, has a few beers. He's, like, you guys know that I was the Shadow. He, like, puts the movie on and is, like, fast-forwarding. They're, like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Not
2: man. Yeah. He's, Wait, like, I
1: for- can't yeah, it. Right there, did you go see it? He rewinds it a bunch of times. <laughs> he's like, what if there was a guy, what if that was his only role, but he did it in multiple movies? Yeah, he just he plays shadows. Like this, <laughs>
0: he's the shadow man. His
1: whole filmography of playing shadows in movies. <laughs> he's like, I was the best in the business for a long
2: time. They call me the shadow over Hollywood.
0: I think it's cool too that this film I just learned is filmed annually every year at one of our uh, stations in in Antarctica. So I think that's kind of cool and also creepy that they're like every year we're gonna watch what could happen to you. It's like a training video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. It's about the end because Brian mentioned it earlier. Uh, there was a link that i shared with you guys and i'm not sure who had a chance to look at it or not but there's there were three basic theories most of them pointing to childs being the thing um i don't know if any of them are we know for sure one of them has been debunked and that one is uh, a theory was going around for a long time saying that at the end of the movie you can't see his breath he's in the cold that was how you could tell this has been debunked because you can in fact see his breath in the movie uh which is funny because I, I like that somebody it's just like a blatant lie somebody was like you can't s-, like it sounds like some kid at school would be like have you guys seen the thing at the end you can't see his breath and then you like watch the movie and you're like it's right there um the other theories though uh are a little bit more convincing The first one is that Childs disappears while they're planting the explosives at the end of the movie for quite some time. After he passes the blood test, um, he disappears. And when he reappears at the end of the movie, he is wearing different clothes. Um, So that hints at him being assimilated. The other thing, and this is like really interesting, because this is a detail that I never would have noticed that is just masterful. Um, It's called the Eye Light Theory. And uh, it's the idea that technically uh, they marked the who was human uh, by there was a light in their eyes when they were on screen, like in in the film. Um, And at the end of the movie, Kurt Russell does have a light in his eyes and Childs does not. Um, And this is actually something that they did use for the first half of the film, according to Screen Rant. They say that uh, director John Carpenter wanted to keep it vague, so he abandoned it uh, halfway into production because he didn't want people to be able to tell that easily. To me, the fact that Kurt Russell still has it, even though they abandoned it, it, makes me think that Childs is probably...
0: Well, also, too, you don't know the order that they filmed this, and just because he says halfway into production doesn't mean they filmed that scene first, too, so... He could point. he could still That's be using that theory, but it doesn't mean that you know they could have filmed filmed that in the first half of production and then went backwards. So,
1: yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, the only uh, assured thing is that they stuck there together. Um. What do you guys do? You, what do you? I I think probably I fall into the camp that Childs is thing. Um. But I do really like the idea them either both being the thing uh and like what that looks like and does it not recognize itself or something like that or the idea that they're both human and they're just kind of stuck here not trusting each other. What do you guys think?
0: Brian? Me. Oh <laughs> Um I think that it could go either way. I mean it's I mean that's one of the finer points in film and we talked about this a lot with the things that we write or that we have written. It's it's fun to leave it up to interpretation at the end. However, like you want to perceive it, that's like the gem of, of the film. A lot of times directors end it and they go, well, I know that I think it's this way, but it could also go this way. So I think it's one of the finer points in film when you get to make up your own ending and to feel like, no, Childs was the thing. Or no, they both were. Neither of them were. So... Either way. Yeah. However you enjoy I almost it.
2: think yeah, I almost think it's like a meta thing in itself where like fan theories are like accusing each other of being like no, it's the he's the thing. No, he's the thing. I feel like it's almost a meta thing that they wanted to happen after the film and they were very careful about not leaving an answer directly. Mm-hmm. I think that was like the point of the ending was to be like you can't trust anybody. Yeah. And like everybody's accusing each other of like you know, thinking this is the ending, thinking Childs is the... You know, I think it's kind of a genius, like, comment on the whole movie that they never know, and it's just, like, you're paranoid for the rest of it until you see it again, and then you're just still left with nothing. Like, you can make as many different theories as you want, but I think they... I think they were very careful to not contradict anything and to not leave anything, like, specific, which is yeah pretty cool. I think that's, like... I love... Endings like that, and I think some people get annoyed by endings like that, but I really like when it's kind of meant to be, like, I feel like that would be harder, you know, than having things in the movie where they slipped up and you're like, oh, well, obviously he's the thing, because mm-hmm. there's no way he could, you know.
0: It's, it's the, the mark like... of a good director, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's like, why would you want to watch
1: movie. a... No, so if you're watching a slasher movie uh we're talking you know we're recording this on halloween and we've with this you know we do have kind of a proclivity towards uh horror movies and we do after the movies and stuff but if you know who the killer is at the beginning of the movie then you want to watch the rest of it like you have to have a reason to want to keep watching there has to be something the viewer is puzzling together or figuring out while they watch um you could do that you could reveal who the killer is at the beginning of the movie and it could be an interesting like angle but then you still have to give the viewer something to chew on or something to think about you know um and and there are times like where it's just poor directorship i know there's a movie actually that we're going to watch uh, for after the movie it's called there's someone inside your house it's a new netflix movie and i've not seen it yet but i will say somebody on chorus said that like he is just dead giveaway who the killer is like from almost, like, the first scene that they talk about it. And so I'm very curious to watch that now in comparison to a movie like this and see, like, A, can I tell, B, is it poor craftsmanship, or is it deliberate, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, I do think that this movie, this is going to be kind of a groaner, so apologies, but I do think this movie is interesting to watch after COVID. Uh, in, like, a post-COVID kind of thing. Um, I know, like, that meme was going around a lot during COVID where uh, Kurt Russell is like, nobody trusts anybody and we're all very tired. Uh, But I do think there is something about this movie that is kind of... um, It's not like it's a, you know, it's not like it's a movie about COVID. It's not like it's a parable about it because obviously it was made 40 years before this happened. But I think that there is something very relatable to the way a lot of people were feeling during the pandemic, especially, like, a good amount of the way into it when you're starting to get a little bit of cabin fever and you start to want to see people and you're like, you know, all right, like, who are my friends can I trust? Can we keep a tight enough circle to see people without people getting sick? Um, And you see in this movie, that's why I think the portrayal of people going crazy is so good in this movie is that, like, they don't necessarily want to turn on each other, but they have no choice. I mean, like, even people that get along in this movie start to suspicion makes you totally beside yourself, essentially, you know, uh, the only person you can trust is you. And that's if you know you're the thing and not even be able to trust yourself. I don't know. So I think it's, um, I think it's definitely worth, something worth like just kind of not actively thinking about because nobody wants to think about the pandemic. Uh, we just went through it, but it's something worth keeping in the back of your mind when you watch this
2: movie now i had one more theory that i just heard today um i was just looking up more um Did you guys hear the um the whiskey theory at the end like the molotov whiskey
0: mm-hmm.
2: um i it was just like a short clip on a video so it didn't have like much detail and it's also like up to your interpretation but there's like you know at the end when they all of the Molotovs, like, stuffed in their coats, and they're going around just bombing the whole place, and then they keep, they have, like, a couple left at the end, and the giant thing bursts through the floorboards and takes out all the Molotovs. So they don't, it seems like they don't have any Molotovs left. And then I guess at the end, when he um, finally blows up the thing, the whole camp explodes. I guess there's a shot where his little outpost, um, the second cabin where they were keeping, um, what's the, um, the doctor guy. Um, uh, Wolfram Brimley. Yeah, Wolfram <laughs> Wolf Brimley. Wolf Brimley. Um, where he was kept, it wasn't blown up for a while, and then later it's on fire. So there was, like, a theory that he went and got more whiskey or, like, more Molotovs, made some Molotovs, and he hands him a gasoline-filled um, whiskey bottle. And then he sips it and then he laughs at him because I think he knows he's that was like a theory that I heard that was pretty juicy but it's kind of like there's not really much to go off of but like people were thinking like other than the breath because yeah you can see his breath a little bit um yeah he hands him gasoline and he drinks it and he couldn't tell that it was gasoline and he's like (laughs) and like laughs like oh well I'm gonna die I'm gonna die right now (laughs)
1: Um, I'll tell you what, the theory that I base my thoughts on are at the end of the movie, I don't know if you guys caught this or not because it was pretty quick Childs does lean in to to Kurt Russell and he whispers the thing and Kurt Russell's like, what? And he says the thing and Kurt Russell says, oh thank you for telling me and I'm not going to kill you now because of your honesty. And uh, that line, the, just those four lines of dialogue are the things that made me think that Child's was the thing at the end of the movie. I always forget that part. Yeah, it is kind of laid right out there. for You will bl- you blink and you miss it. You know, mm-hmm. close your ears
2: for a mm-hmm. second and you'll miss it. But, I mean, he um, says the thing, I think, 12 times. And he just keeps yes. saying, what? it's loud out here okay. sorry i just blew up this camp what was that the thing i can't the speak tank. louder
1: and then he is yelling at him he's he's like I, the thing is me i am the thing <laughs>
2: what uh,
0: well boys what? i hate to be that guy um, but we gotta start wrapping this baby up
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so but the thing that we brought you on here initially for um can you look at us and just tell if one of us is if one or both of us is the uh, the creature? Um, does one of us look like a dang creature, or are we human? What's going on here uh, in your expertise, Brian? <sighs> right? huh. his He's getting his blood tests out. Now, we did both mail blood samples. Um, I'm not sure how tamper-proof those blood samples were, but we did both mail you blood samples, and you are, uh, I see you have a flamethrower there, you're heating up a, a wire coil. And we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna put it in the first one. Whose is this? Is this Aaron's or is this this uh, mine or is this Jimmy's? This one's Aaron's. All right, all right here we go. Uh, he's gonna put it in, and okay, looks like I'm good. Um, Jimmy, you look like you're sweating over there, buddy. You doing? You all right? <laughs> Okay, all right. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and put it in Jimmy's now. Uh, got the blood, got the blood test ready. All right, and here we go.
2: On, um, um, on three. T- oh, it's sizz- you just did it. It's sizzling. Oh no, no, I mean the oh. the wire. Sorry.
1: Okay. <laughs> here we go. Uh, three, two, one. <laughs> hmm. Wait you guys hear that i'm the thing
0: brian do you have anything (laughs) that you'd like to plug
2: because i'm gonna
0: end this because it's gone on too far
2: (laughs) no i'm just i'm just uh thanks for having me on this was fun
0: anytime my friend anytime my friend just let everyone know just let everyone know we went over our Patreon earlier, but patreon.com slash media. if you'd like to support us uh, directly, three, five, and ten dollar tiers available, all with different things. Each lets you into the Discord, and then join us this Thursday uh, for After the Movies, where we talk about the most anticipated film of 2021, Dune. So make sure that you stay tuned for this Thursday for After the Movies, where we'll be talking about Dune. Aaron, any final words, my friend?
1: No, oh, did you say next week, uh, Dr. Strangelove?
0: I did not do next week, no. Okay,
1: so next week, Dr. Strangelove. Um, we'll and get back to you about what's, what's on after the movie. VHS 94. Said, VHS 94. Uh, Yeah, so uh, it's Dr. Strangelove and VHS 94, two movies that could not be more different. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say that thank you to Brian for coming on. Um, Lucky to have you. I was super, super happy to have guests on this season. A lot of fun um we just recorded we just filmed two things with you one of them is out now the cult uh episode of the lomo show is out now and as of today on halloween uh our short film or our or short our little halloween short will be out that you filmed with us as well so thank you for all your help um brian is super super talented and such a good musician fingers crossed <laughs> oh thank you yeah it might be out hopefully be out <laughs> but uh Listen to uh, Our Brian and I are in a band together and our first album is out now and we're recording the second one. And on top of that, listen to um, uh, Articulate Advocates and any Brian the Fly stuff that you can find online. I'm not sure. like At this point, there are some things on YouTube, I think, and some things on Bandcamp. Um, the Ghoul and the Fly EP is out there, but Brian's got all kinds of music out and um, we'll, we'll post some links in the, in the description but to go listen to his music because he's just so talented and uh we're kindly. absolutely lucky to work with him so all right guys uh my parents are downstairs so i gotta go i gotta take a little breather quick dad dropped off some tear jerk nice uh, all right
0: all right everybody this have a good ready. one we'll see you on thursday for dude <laughs> bye everybody <laughs>